Let's try that again. Good evening. Welcome to Harvest. Boy, what a beautiful day we had today. Wasn't it just gorgeous? I rode the hog in this morning. If you don't know what my hog is, it's my 2005 Yamaha scooter. And I think I am all that in a bag of chips when I'm on that thing. I kind of remind me like Pee Wee Herman, if you remember that 80s car, that's what I feel like when I'm on there. But I'm, I'm confused. For all of you hog riders, every now and then, a guy on a motorcycle will go like this. But I'm too nervous to let go of the handle way back at him. So is it okay to give him a nod? Is that so cool? I got to do the hand thing, don't I? It's two things. Is it two? Brother, I, I'm afraid to let go because it's, the wheels are like that big, like little donuts. So I'm afraid I'll take a digger and I'll wreck. I think I'm going to get, I'm going to get on the back a bumper sticker that says my other bike is a Harley. What do you think? Oh, goodness. How did he recover from that? Um, I don't know if this is public, but I'll make it public. I'm going to thank the church for sending us down to Pensacola for the retreat. Boy, we had a great time. It was awesome. It really was needed. And as a staff, I think it's the first time we've really been together uninterrupted forever. And it was just really a good time to get uh, re-energized, refreshed, and then talk about uh, what we learned. And it was a great time. Has that been a couple of weeks ago now? It kind of runs together. I went from basketball to share to enrichment to Easter. So uh, I forgot the tournament was in there too. But it was a great time. It really was. So tonight's message kind of came from a conversation Dan and I had during Sherathon, all right? So the title is, Well Done Must Be Well Done. Well done must be well done. Now you could also say, you know, uh, building blocks for Christianity. You could say, I'm too old to play with Legos, so we have to use cornerstones, whatever. But well done must be well done. Now, A Christian, I don't think I've ever heard a Christian say, David, when I pass, I hope God says, man, you made it. I don't know how, but you made it. Come on in. Matter of fact, use the back door because you're not a well-done, faithful servant, you pagan. Come on in. I don't think any Christian wants to hear that. Most Christians want to hear what? Well done, that good and faithful servant. So as Dan and I were talking We thought to ourselves, you know, he said, you know, in order to do that, you've got to be faithful. It's not just going to happen. Not everybody gets to hear, well done. And I thought to myself, there's a message in there somewhere. So, Dan, if you're going to preach it, sorry, I've stole it. (laughs) Now, let's talk about some things that are well done. How about your steak? No? No. Is it rare? Who likes rare? Oh, boy. Pastor Mott, put your hand down. He had cow tongue one time as a sandwich. I'm like, how can you eat that thing? So rare. There's rare. How about medium? Who likes medium? All right, how about medium well? I'm a medium well guy. That's me. How about, okay, medium rare? There's like all kinds of, okay, medium rare. All right. I'm learning. There's all, I didn't even know, true story, that there were parts to singing until I got married. I thought everyone just opened up and let it fly. <laughs> when I met Lynette, she's like, what part do you sing? I'm like, 
What, like, well done? What do you mean, what part do I sing? She's like, you know, tenor, bass. I'm like, I don't fish much, really. But well done. Well done. Matthew 25, 21. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee rule over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. And probably the one that I'm most familiar with and I appreciate is 2 Timothy and 1 Timothy, probably one of my favorite books, along with James and Ephesians and Philippians and Psalms and Proverbs. 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Think about this. God didn't take a poll when writing the Bible and developing doctrines in the Bible. It wasn't a popularity contest. God designed, hey, this is the way it's got to be. Henry Ford once said, if I asked customers what they wanted, I would have developed a faster horse. (laughs) You know, beloved, can we just understand that we are living in a 2 Timothy chapter 3, 1 through 5 world? Do you know what that says? Can you read it with me? This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Are we not seeing perilous times? I'll be real honest with you. I'm only 50. I know I don't look it. Why are you laughing? Because you're right. Okay. You're in an auditorium. I wouldn't be lying, to be honest with you. School shootings? Never heard of them. When I was a kid, never heard of them. They probably, now, I did grow up in Coshocton, and we turned the electricity off at 6 o'clock, so maybe it did happen, but I don't remember that stuff. The weird stuff, I'm not trying to be funny, I'm not trying to be weird here. The weird stuff was in California, seriously. I thought, well, that's weird. I'm not, I'm not trying to be funny, it's just what it was when I was a kid growing up. Now, it's everywhere. Sometimes I walk around, then I'm not trying to be judgmental. But I walk around and I'm like, what in the world? I'm going to Kroger's. I feel like I'm at the circus. <laughs> Does anybody else feel that way? I'm just being honest with you. And I'm not, try- I'm not trying to throw stones here. And I'm like, this is, this is Fremont. This is Clyde. <laughs> I mean, it's who names a city Clyde? <laughs> what in the world is going on? Perilous times. And I'm not just talking how people dress. I mean, have you noticed how angry people are? The other day, someone's going to throw down on me because I cut them off accidentally in the grocery line. I didn't mean to. I thought they're going to like bust a cap on me. I'm like, I'm sorry, go ahead in front of me. I didn't mean to cut in front of you. People are angry. Why? Because sin. And sin, when it's finished, bringeth forth death. The world is, the Bible says, groaning because of the sin. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers. Oh boy, disobedient to parents. Hmm. Unthankful, unholy. Let me tell you something. Christian, you listen to me. 
You mark this down. I'm not, I didn't start preaching yet. If you're unthankful, I would be very careful in my life. If you're an unthankful person, I'm telling you there's a root cause. There's something wrong with your soul. If you're a born-again believer and you are unthankful, there's, there's something going on in your life. I encourage you in love to get to an altar and get a hold of God. As a Christian, you should be one of the most thankful creatures on this earth. You should be able to say thank, you're thank, you, thank, thankful. You should be thankful. You should not be a complainer. You should be loving. You should be thankful. If you're not thankful, I'm telling you, there's something going on. I work with two indivi- a lot of individuals, but two people in particular, they were very unthankful people. Come to find out they were miserable. There was a lot going on in their life. And then after the fact, I'm like, that makes sense now. Unthankful. Unholy. Hmm. Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers. Man, we could go on and on and on. Verse 5 says, Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Here we go. From such turn away. Now, let's talk about something real quick. I'm not saying we're supposed to go into a fort and close the door. Okay, But what I am saying is that you are to avoid their influence on your life. You follow me? You should be witnessing. You should be talking. You should be an influencer. You should not be influenced by what they are. Sometimes, Christians, you're going to have to tell someone, and God will give you the words, so-and-so, I can't hang out with you anymore. We're going different paths. We're going different directions. If you want to know more about that, I'll tell you. And I, myself, and probably you, have had to tell people, we're going down different roads. I cannot hang around you anymore. We're different. Now, here's the problem. When I was younger, and once again, I'm not trying to cause controversy. I'm not trying to hurt people. I'm just giving you my heart. I can honestly say I never thought I would have to hear people ask the question, would you define the word woman? Or define the word man? I'd be transparent. The first time I heard that, I was like, is that even a question? Define the word woman. I'm like, what? Am I missing something? It's what happens when you get away from a moral absolute. What do you get, beloved? Perilous times. Are we, are we confused? We shouldn't be. When we turn away from an absolute right and wrong, when we turn away from this is the way you should do it, this is right, this is wrong, and we all start making up our own de- uh, de- uh, uh, definitions, what do we get? Chaos. And what are we saying in today's world? Chaos. Chaos. All the mass shootings in America. Why? We're angry. We're upset. I talked to a dear, dear friend of mine. His child is really going through some bad decisions. <clears throat> and the choice this child is making, the suicide rate, attempted suicide, 50%. 50% of the people, the students struggling with this, attempt to take their life. And the devil is laughing his head off. And the world is telling them, oh, this is what you need to be. Who's pushing that agenda? The devil himself. 
perilous times. Perilous times. If you were to ask someone who truly believes in evolution, and we bring them in this room, and they say, I truly believe in evolution, they would look at you with a straight face and say, yep, this iPhone has a divine creator. Someone made it. This microphone, yep, absolutely. That piano, absolute divine creator. Those pews, yes, someone made that. That scooter thingy, yes. This pulpit, absolute divine creator. The one thing they would say was an accident and happenstance is the most complex being in here, and that's all of us. And they say it with a straight face. What do we have, beloved? Perilous times. Lovers of themselves. Our Heavenly Father, we need your help tonight. Lord, I pray that you would just fill me with your spirit. Forgive me the many things I think, say, and do that break your law. I pray that as you look at your word, help us, Father, to get something from it. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Here's the problem. I believe that trend is creeping into today's church. And what we're getting is a watered-down gospel and a watered-down message, which leads to watered-down Christians, which leads to watered-down witness, which leads to a watered-down influence. Now, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. Why is the world in trouble today? Because Christians aren't doing what they're supposed to do. The good news is, the bride of the night, the bride of the light. We have an opportunity today that I believe we probably haven't had in a very long time to shine for the gospel of Jesus Christ and to be loving about it and to be caring about it and to be a difference maker. And if you do those things, could the cross get heavy? Yes, but I promise you, you will not have to bear it alone. Praise God for that. So if we're going to hear the words, well done. Now this is just some principles. This is not a one, two, three, pray with me. If if you do this, you're guaranteed. Life will be gummy bear and lollipops. I'm not saying that. But here's some things to think about in your life. Number one, well done starts with convictions found in our biblical authority. Our biblical authority. Well, what is that? Our biblical authority determines our direction. Okay, so here's the deal. Number one, convictions for our faith. Every family should have some direction based on God's word. Some things that you do and don't do. Now, I've said this before. I'll say it again. You're going to take me off your Christmas card list immediately, and that's okay. The biblical principles that I found in the word of God means at the Wirek household, there's not alcohol at all. Zero, period. Zero. And we listen unshackled, and all the time stuff's coming on. I tell the boys, that's another reason not to drink alcohol. All the time. Now, some of you, David, don't you drink NyQuil? Knock it off. That's not what I'm talking about, and you know it. Stop being cute. That's not the conversation we're having here. Now, I tell the boys all the time, don't social drink, don't vape, don't smoke, don't hang around those people. It's a dead-end street. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm just telling you those are some areas that we've decided we're not going to do. Another thing is, what is church time? Guess what we do? We go to church. The boys have never told me. Now, I'm not going to lie. There's times I don't want to go. I have to. I'm on staff. <laughs> Last Wednesday was one of those nights. 
I was hurting very bad, and I did not want to go. And I was in a lot of pain, and I didn't really sleep, and that's another conversation another day. And I, I thought to myself, man, I could stay home tonight. And I drugged myself to church. But I'm here to tell you, seriously, there's never been a time that I've gone to church and regretted it. Especially at harvest. Man, last, that was, and that was an awesome message last Wednesday. There's just a lot of things. I won't go into them. There's some things that our household, we've set up because of the Bible, our biblical authority, that we're going to do or not going to do. And that's okay. And guess what? The Wark household is a dictatorship. It is not a democracy. Right, boys? It's not. We don't take a vote. Sometimes I'm like, boys, what do you think? Never mind. I don't care what you think. We're doing it this way anyways. I say, when you're 19, you can do what you want. Or 20 or whenever they leave our household. Well, I remember when the boys were younger, we'd go to dinner. I say, I say hey, where, you, where do you want to go? Lynette would start talking to the boys like, where do you want to go? I said, whoa, hold on. No one's asking you. There's one vote. It's Shug's. The rest of you, I don't care. You can starve all I care. We're going to go here. One time, one of my boys... We're going to a basketball. I better stop talking because it's already 727. We're going to go to a basketball game. And it was going to be like a, a scrimmage. And one of my sons says, well, Dad, if I'm not starting, I'm not going. I said, you'll sit there in a hot dog suit if I tell you to. You're going to the game. <laughs> you know, though, seriously, <coughs> convictions found in God's word. Convictions for our faith, number one. John, Jude 3, 4 says, Beloved, when I gave all the diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith, which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm here to tell you there are pastors today that are turning the grace of God into a total joke. Because they're making it, you can kind of do whatever you want, wing-ding along in your life. And I'm here to say, that is not true. That's not true. There is things that we should be doing and not be doing. And if a pastor is worth his salt, he'll look to you in love and say, thus saith the Lord. And I think, I praise God we have a pastor that does that. Because I've gone to some church services on vacation, and I'm like, why did I come? I just told you about regret. That's here. We've gone on vacation before, and I'm like, that pastor can preach his way out of a paper bag. Can I get a witness? He wouldn't know the gospel if it fell in his lap with a handle. I've been to funerals before, and I'm like, this is so sad. So sad. So, Christians should know what they believe, why they believe it, and whom they believed. And we can do that when we look to the Bible. When I have convictions, foundations, my core belief in God, they don't differ when hard times arrive, when trials come, when the going gets tough. I just dig in to my biblical authority, my biblical convictions, and I keep pressing on. How about this? Faith and the Son of God. And let me say his name for you. His name is Jesus. John 1.29, the next day John seeth. Jesus coming unto him and saith, 
Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. We should proclaim Jesus is God's Son. Colossians chapter 2, 8 and 9. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, and after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Acts 4, 12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven, given among men, whereby we must be saved. If you want to know where someone stands, ask him one question. You know what it is? Who is Jesus Christ? And you're going to find out real quick. We're at a wedding one time. And I'm trying to be a good person. Which at times is tough, man. I'm not going to lie. And we're sitting there. And I, I always get it confused. Mormons, Church of Jesus Christ. Are they the same? I never can remember. Uh, I want to say they were Mormon. And I, and I knew they were Mormon. And I'm like, I'm just going to sit there and eat my food. That's all I'm doing. And they start asking questions. And I'm like, sis, now don't go there. And they kept asking questions and kept asking questions. And they finally said, and they started asking me. And I'm like, you asked for it. And I can tell my wife looking at me like, we're at a wedding. And I'm like, she asked me a question. So I asked her, who is Jesus? For about 15 minutes, she flopped around and really could not tell me. The boys were itty-bitty. In the car, I asked them who Jesus was. And they're like, God's son. What did Jesus do for us? Died on the cross for our sins. And that's how they talked to that high. <laughs> you know, a lot of people don't mind you talk about God. But you start saying Jesus Christ, it gets real real quick. You should proclaim Jesus. You should talk about Jesus. You should let people know that I'm not ashamed of Jesus Christ. Jesus, the gospel, which is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel story. To the artist, he's the one altogether lovely. Song of Solomon 5.15. To the architect, he is the chief cornerstone, 1 Peter 2.6. To the astronomer, he is the son of righteousness, Malachi, son, S-U-N, of righteousness, Malachi 4.2. To the baker, he's the bread of life. John 6, 35. To Krispy Kreme. That's, I'm just kidding. Bread of life made me think of donuts. <laughs> to the banker, he's the hidden treasure. Matthew 13, 44. To the builder, he's a sure foundation. Isaiah 28, 16. To the carpenter, he is the door. John 7. To the doctor, he's the great physician. Jeremiah 8, 22. To the educator, he's the great teacher. John 3, 2. To the electrician, he's the light of the world. John 8, 12. To the engineer, he's the new and living way. Hebrews 10, 20. To the farmer, he's the sower. And the Lord of the harvest, Luke 10, 2. To the florist, he's the Rose of Sharon, Song of Solomon 2, 1. To the geologist, he's the Rock of Ages, 1 Corinthians 10, 4. To the judge, he's the only righteous judge of men, 2 Timothy 4, 8. To the juror, he's the faithful and true witness, Revelation 3, 14. To the jeweler, he is the pearl of great price, Matthew 13, 46. To the lawyer, he's the counselor, lawgiver, and true advocate, Isaiah 9, 6. To the media, he is the good news of great joy, Luke 2, 10. To the philosopher, he's the wisdom of God, 1 Corinthians Corinthians 1.24. To the preacher, he's the word of God, Revelation 19.13. To the priest, he's a foreshadow of the tabernacle, Exodus 25.8. To the sculptor, he's the living stone, 1 Peter 2.4. To the servant, he is the good master, Matthew 
uh, Matthew 23. To the statesman, he's the desire of all nations, Haggai 2.7. To the student, he's the incarnate truth, 1 John 5, 6. To the theologian, he's the author and finisher of our faith, Hebrews 12.2. To the toiler, he's the giver of rest, Matthew 11.28. To the sinner, he's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, John 1.29. And to the Christian, he is the Son of the living God, the Savior, the Redeemer, and the living Lord. He is Jesus Christ. So we have faith in his son. We have faith in the word of God. Second Peter 1.21 says, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but the holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. We here at Harvest believe in the absolute, positive, infallible word of God. It is the sole authority of our life in this world. Can I get an amen? amen. We don't need any other interpretation. We don't need anything else from anybody else. What God said it, that's it. It's here. It's all we need. I don't have to have anybody else interpret it for me. Yes, the foolishness of preaching. Yes, we get it from uh, 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 pastors and from radio. But when it comes to it, I can read it. The Holy Spirit can help me. And I can get God. And He can understand it. And the more I read it, the more I can get from Him. And I can grow in Christ. And I don't have to be alone. And I can be saved. And I can know that I know that I know. Because the Word of God is my sole authority. And everyone else says, what, did you read this book? Did you read this book? That's fine. But just make sure you read the book. Read the book. I've had people tell me, well, I was at this church, and they did this. I'm like, I know what their doctrinal statement says, and it is not from the Word of God. That may, pastor from that denomination, he may have wing-danged over here and doing his thing, but you get to where he's supposed to get his authority, and they are not preaching Gospel, salvation. They're not. God's word is the authority and it stands alone. Hebrews 4.12 For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to divide the center of soul and spirit and the joints of marrow and is a discerner and the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's what separated Jesus Christ from everyone else. Why? He is the word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word of God is with him. Remember, he is the Word. And he can what? He can tell people's hearts, their intent. He knew. Don't you wish sometimes you could just know what people thought? Sometimes I'm glad I don't know what they think. In order to heal, we're done. Well done. We must remember our direction is determined by our daily steps. David, where will I be in 10, in 10 years? It depends on where you're going right now. The Bible moves from our faith to our practice. Our beliefs always determine our behavior. The men and women who have moved the world have been the men and women the world could not move. You know, beloved, can I tell you something in love? Don't be ashamed of your Christianity. It doesn't mean you have to be, as Pastor Holmes says, a jerk for Jesus. But you don't have to apologize for everything. I've told the story many, many, many times. Pretend you haven't heard it before, okay? So act shocked. When I worked in the banking world for a number of years, we'd go commercial calling. So one time, true story, we're going to go to the millionaire home in Sandusky. It was a $3 million home. And we're going to take a tour. Well, I didn't know that. So we go to the house, and they say, can you take your shoes off? I go take my shoes off. Only one problem. I had a hole in my sock. 
Now, from here on out, every time there's a hole in my sock, I throw them right in the trash. So I go to take my sock, shoe off. I've got a hole in my sock. I'm like, I'm walking around in this $3 million mansion with a hole in my sock. So I act like I get down, I'm tying my shoes. When they're not looking, I stretch my sock out. And I tuck it under my toes. And I had to walk like the claw. You ever walk to a $3 million mansion and you're walking like this with your toe? The whole time. And I would stay behind the tour group. So there's a commercial banker, the people who owned it, some other people. And I'm like, oh, this is so nice. I look like some sort of a horror movie, like walking like this the whole time. True story. True story. So from here on out, boys, that's why I'm fussy. If the socks have holes, right in the trash. Thrown right away. Well, I was going to go somewhere with that. I really was. Well, anyways. Um, <clears throat> how about this? In order to hear well done, make sure you talk to God. It sounds simple, but pray, pray, pray. Pray, pray, pray. I'm here to tell you, something happens when the church starts praying. I think it's the most beautiful sound on Wednesday night to hear all the people praying. I love it. It sounds so cool on the radio. We turn up the mics. It sounds beautiful. Hear people getting a hold of God. And I'm telling you, our church is known as a praying church. I don't know how many people. It's David, please, I know your church will pray. Would you pray for this? I hear that all the time. I hear that all the time. Ephesians 6, 8, 9, 6, 18 through 19 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication uh, for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Make it a practice to pray earnestly. I'm ashamed to say this, but since my father's death, my prayer life has went up significantly. I pray all the time. I thought I prayed before, man, I pray all the time now. I'm always praying, talking to God. And maybe, I, maybe, I don't know, I, I talk to my dad too much. I don't mean to sound stupid, but I've tried to replace that time with talking to God. I pray all the time because I talk to my father a lot. And um, James 5.16 says, Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, I've never been a good sleeper. I, just, I never have. I'm not trying to sound like, woe is me. I can't remember the last time I had a good night's sleep. I honestly cannot remember. I do not sleep good. Some of it's because of pain levels, some because of other things. Now, one of my sons can sleep anywhere. He drives me bananas. And Christian love, of course. We'll be in the car. Five minutes in. Out. I cannot sleep in the car. You'd have to put like a full mattress or absolute exhaustion before I do it. I think you could fall asleep on a roller coaster all the way down. My wife falls asleep easy. Me, if, if a, a spider walks across the, the wall, I'm like, I, I don't sleep good. But you know what I found myself doing a lot? Praying. Sometimes hours on end. 
Just, Lord, you got to help me here. God, and just pray. And wake up and pray. 15 minutes later, I fell asleep. I'm out. I can't wait. Just pray again. Just pray. People probably think I'm talking to myself on my scooter. You know what I do? I pray. I'm not trying to cap and righteous here. I just, I've really felt, when my father died, it just, it left a hole in me that I just can't explain. And I've been really trying to get a hold of God and say, God, I just need your help here. Because a lot of times I'd ask my dad for help. He's not around to ask anymore. So I'd say, Lord, you've got to give me wisdom here. I don't know what to do. Will you help me? And I do talk to myself too. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Pastor Lewis once said, the difference is in the difference. Beloved, when you're walking with God, when you're talking with God, when God's word is your authority, when you're praying, people start to know there's something different. You don't have to always talk about it either. Today, I'm in Miller's. It just slipped. When I went to leave, and they know I'm a Christian, I said, thank you, beloved. (laughs) They're probably like, what is this old man do hitting on us? I'm serious. And the other day, I said to somebody, thank you, sis. I'm serious. It's like this lingo. In order to hear well done, we must remember to love God. Somebody think, well, David, that sounds simple. Jude 21 says, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Many Christians start in love with God, but somewhere they leave. They fall out of love with God, and they move away from the love of God. 2 Timothy chapter 2 Verses 22 and 23 says, Flee also useful lust, but follow righteous faith, charity, peace with them that call of the Lord of a pure heart. But foolishness and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. Charles Spurgeon once said, The greater our difference from the world, the greater our testimony for Christ and against sin. Here's another thing, and I'm not going to re-preach it. Be looking for his coming, because he is coming. Pastor Holmes preached a tremendous sermon. I won't get into that again because it was awesome. Was it, it was last Wednesday, right? So go back and listen to it. It was tremendous. Talked about the parables. He preached the entire four Gospels in 45 minutes. We're just teasing him on the four Gospels. I think it was, it was like two chapters. Normally it takes him six weeks to preach the word the. But this he did. He did. I can tease him now. By the way, any contract. John, I need, to, I need work tomorrow. So here we go. Um. All right, I've got like 12 points, and i got two minutes to do it. We better hurry. All right, number one, well done starts with convictions found in our biblical authority. Stop going to ungodly people and expecting godly advice because you're not going to get it. Don't go to carnal people and expect some spiritual advice. Guess what, class? You're not going to get it. People that are not going to church, I'm not trying to hate on them but they're not going to give you godly advice. They're just not. Number two, well done starts with convictions found on our biblical compassions. Our biblical compassions. A compassion for the critical. This is a tough one. 
Ready? Not everyone loves what we do here at Harvest. Not everybody loves Clean Air Christian Radio. Not everyone loves that handsome morning light host. (laughs) We need to make sure our position is offensive, but not our disposition. My disposition, I don't have to be an idiot. I can still be loving and kind and tell people the truth. My position on things, let's face it, is going to be a little offensive. Why? Because it goes against what a lot of people think in today's world. But I don't have to be offensive in my disposition. 2 Peter 3.3 says, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts. You see, they actually scoff. They have no idea what they're talking about, but they know that you don't know what they're talking about. You ever talk to someone like that? You ask them for the definition of whatever. They can't give it to you, but you're wrong on your definition. You ask where you came from. They don't know, but I know that you don't know. And they're, they're, they're at, they don't even have any idea, but they're critical and they're hateful. And you, it's tough. You're going to have to love them. Because the Bible says that's how people know the difference is if you have love for one another. They just say, you know what? That person, there's something different about them. Um, 2 Timothy 2.25 says, In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to acknowledging of the truth. Let's face it, people in the world, not all, not all, but a lot of people in the world today are absolutely miserable and they don't know why. They don't know why. We need to be a church known for love and compassion. And I think we are. Compassion for those that are broken. Now, I don't have time to get into it, but Matthew chapter 9, 36, Matthew 14, 14, Matthew 15, 32, and Matthew 18, 27 all have the same theme, and it is compassion. Jesus kept looking at people. He was compassionate. Looking at people, compassionate. Looking at people, compassionate. What did Jesus Christ come here to do? Save us from our sins. Did he have to heal people? No. Why did he? Because he's compassionate. So many times Christ walked around and was moved with compassion. We went and visited Judy in the hospital. We went two Saturdays in a row. And so, <clears throat> the second time we go, uh, we, we get in elevators, myself, my mom, I think Travis might have been with us, maybe. And then, you know, myself. Yeah, I was there, so therefore four of us. Um, and so, you ever get that little prick of the Holy Spirit? Every now and then I'm spiritual and listen. Sometimes. And so I go to get on the elevator, and I'm like, I instantly am grieved. I'm like, there's a room full of people. And I'm like, I should go pray with them. So the, the, the doors, the elevator, get ready closed. I said, hold on, I, I, I got to do something. I didn't need to tell my family. I put, the, put my hand at the elevator door, and we're on the fourth floor. I walked right in, and it's a room full of people. I walked in. I said, I'm a pastor. Can I pray with you? And for about a half a second, they looked at me like I had two heads. 
And I thought, what have I done? And they immediately said, they were like, well, yes, you can. And here, this person had a serious issue, and it didn't look good. And so I got some information. I said, can we all pray? The one person got up, and you know me. I said, well, let's all grab hands. And so all of us, right there in the, in the waiting room, we all grabbed hands. And I had prayer and talked to them for a little bit. You know, beloved, you can do that. You don't have to be a radio host to do that. You don't have to be a Bible college graduate. I graduated, what, it's been almost 30 years ago now. Can you believe that, 30 years? It's ridiculous. You can pray with people all the time. Most of the time, people will let you pray for them. I went with a friend of mine to BW3s the other day, and our waitress was there. He said, can we pray for you? What she said? Absolutely not. No, she didn't say that. You're going to sleep, so I'll raise my voice a little bit. She said, actually, yeah, I, I need some prayer. And she started discussing with us. Yeah, there's perilous times, but perilous times cause for biblical responses. And we can talk to people, and we can pray with them, and we can ask. Now, if there's 47 people in line at Kroger, don't do it. But if you're by yourself, look at that person and say, I've done this. Can I have a word of prayer with you? I know. The one, yeah, that's another story. I'm going to get it going. All right. Number one, well done starts with convictions found by biblical authority. Number two, well done starts with convictions found our biblical compassions. Point number three, well done starts with convictions found in our biblical partnerships. The Holy Spirit, he makes all the difference in the world, does he not? The Bible says in Ephesians 5.18, be not drunk with wine, word of success, but be filled with the Spirit. Yes, be prayed up, be read up, but I tell this to the boys all the time. Proper planning prevents poor performance. Proper planning prevents poor performance. That's not news. I stole that from somebody. So I can be properly prepared. I can be planned up. But I better be prayed up. Because God uses the Holy Spirit to convict, to empower, to give me the words to speak. And a peace that passes all understanding. It really is that partnership with the Holy Spirit. <coughs> Leave room for the Holy Spirit to seal, to comfort, to help you. Hebrews 13.5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with those things as ye have. For he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. In, uh, in order to hear the words well done, how about you partner with the saints of God? Think about how many New Testament books start with this word. James, a servant of God. Jude, a servant of God. Paul, a servant of God. Be a servant. Swallow your pride. Teamwork makes the dream work. We part with one another. We edify. We exhort. Don't complain. Don't run each other down. Don't be a stick person. You know what the stick person was? It doesn't matter what activity you had. There always is a group of kids on this side with sticks pointing to the ground. This is the dumbest game I've ever seen. This is so stupid. And they're looking around people to be upset with. You think this is dumb? Yeah, this is dumb. Here, have a stick. Let's complain together. Don't be that person. Too hot, too cold. I don't like the hymns. I don't like the song. 
I don't like his tie. David always wears plaid shirts with plaid ties and plaid coats. I know. Don't be that person. And if you have a legitimate complaint, in love, prayed up, go to someone like you're supposed to, one-on-one, and talk to them about it. And get it resolved. And then hug and be friends and go on. Amen? There's no sense being mad at one another. Life is too short. Life is too short to be upset and mad and bitter at one another. And I'm all ticked off. What are you ticked off for? Figure it out. Love them and get it over with. Well, I don't like that person. That's okay. We don't like you either. It's all right. Move on. Partner with the saints of God. Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace into the hearers. Don't you love to hear a little edification? Don't you love it when people build you up? Isn't that nice? Don't... I do it all the time in the mirror. You handsome devil. I'll look in the mirror. Yep. Made in God's image. That's me. Made in God's image. Yes, sir. None of you guys ever talk to yourself? Anything? I'm feeling really weird right now. You don't ever talk to yourself? Right now you're like, do I talk to myself? How about this? Partner through evangelism. I love what Charles is doing with the Bible Assembly. Isn't that awesome? They had like 6,000 people here the other day. Okay, might be a little exaggeration, but there are a lot of people. And they're assembling John and Romans to pass out in bags, and it's awesome. You might say, David, I can't walk anymore. Then you come to Bible Assembly. You can sit there and do a stapler or, you know, whatever they do. You can help out. You can stuff bags. Where's Edgar and Betty? They were here for like forever. This, I can't remember what day it was. Was it yesterday? And stuff bags. Uh, not bags. What'd they do? Envelopes for the radio. Every single one of them. I don't want to do that. But they said, yeah, we'll do it. What are you doing? Evangelizing. Helping. Now, I'm going to get myself in trouble, okay? I'm supposed to be done right now. You know, we like to complain about the kids. They run, they talk, they spill stuff. You ever walk up and down the hall and pray for them? Don't look at me that way. You're not that busy. Some of y'all retired. I know, I'm the big hater now. It wouldn't hurt you once a month to walk up and down the hall and just pray. What are you doing? I'm just praying for the young people. I'm praying God gets a hold of their hearts. Well, where's today? There's the next generation. Have you prayed for them? Have you lifted them up? The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We wonder why sometimes kids don't want to do stuff and we treat them like dirt. Do you know their names? Have you tried to get to know their names? If you prayed for them every day, you'd know their names. Wouldn't it be awesome if 4, 5, 10, 15, 20 people 
Every week, walked through the pews, walked up and down the halls, wrote notes, stood outside the door for 10 minutes with their hand on the wall, praying that God would get a hold of their lives and change the world. We can do it, beloved. We can partner together. I've said this before. Man, we can't do it on our own. We cannot do it on our own. The radio station would fold like an accordion. If it wasn't for the people who help us, we could not do it. Leanne is great at filing. I hate filing. I file 13. That's what I do with everything. I would pitch it all. It starts with a biblical partnership. It's so beautiful when we work together. Isn't it gorgeous? I love it. So we went to that enrichment conference, and I don't remember all the details, but i got to tell you a story, and this really convicted me big time, big time. What was the main, one of the main speakers? What was his name? Uh, Kurt Skelly. Kurt, Kirk Skelly. He told this story. This is crazy. This is just crazy. He started a church been years ago, years ago. And um, he said, we're running like, you know, a handful of people, and he gets called for missionary. It's like 25 years ago, I think. And he says, uh, the guy's a real loud voice. And he, he went into the story. And he said, can I come present my work? And the guy's like, well, you can come, Pastor Scott. I said, but we don't have anybody here. He said, well, I'll come anyways. So they come. And I don't remember if it was a two-day event. I really don't remember. And as far as I remember, someone correct me here. He didn't have any communication with that guy just at one time. So like 25 years later, or something like that, you can tell I'm real good with details, he calls Pastor Kelly, Kelly and says, hey, you know, Chris, can I, can I have a meeting with you? So, you know, I think he called the office and he said he picks up. He's like, hey, Pastor Kelly, this is brother so-and-so. He's like a real high voice, real high energy guy. And they're talking. He says, how is your son? And he gives his son's name. How is your other son doing? And he gives his son's name. How is your wife doing? And gave the wife's name. How is your other son's doing? And gave the son's name. And Pastor Kurt was just blown away and says, you've got an amazing memory. How did you do that? The missionary says, oh no. I prayed for you and your family every single day for 25 years. You want to make here well done? That biblical partnership. It would be so beautiful to me if a year from now, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten families went up to some staff members, to some people, to some kids, and said, Here's my prayer list. I've prayed for you every single day. Biblical convictions found in biblical partnerships. Beloved, we don't have to do it alone. Let's do it together.